Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be ever pleasing in your sight. You are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. I remember being in high school when the naked juice came out. What better ammo for a teenager and his youth group friends than the name of this tasty beverage? Hey y'all, should we drink naked at school today? And then maybe go get naked at church later? <laughs> naked. It's a word that evokes a bit kind of bashful response from us. Either our skin begins to crawl a little bit, or we let out a little adolescent giggle. As an uncle of six months, I have changed my nephew's diaper exactly two times. One of the things that strikes you about changing a baby's diaper is how this rush of energy and life comes over them when they are finally de-diapered. It's a convulsion of giggles and joy. Sure, they are vulnerable, but they don't know that. All they know is freedom. The same goes for young kids. We've all seen the four-year-old who walks around without clothes on, but even at that age, you are young and you are free. But then you hit that age when things begin to change a little bit. Mirrors and the popular kids and attractive schoolmates and awkward yearbook pictures all contribute to a vulnerable and fragile sense of self. And the body becomes a place of taboo and shyness and shame. And what was, and what was once part and parcel of your toolkit to be human in a material world now becomes something separating you from it, something that can be taken advantage of, something that can be rejected. How did this happen? How did the sweet and lush air of Eden become thick and polluted with shame? The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Do you remember when your parents first gave you a command and you thought they were off their rocker? I'll show them, you thought. When I was a youngster, I had a deep fascination with what was inside a tennis ball. How did the ball bounce like it did? I felt if I could just rip away the felt, I would have the, the world's most glorious bouncy ball. Garrett, let it be. I couldn't resist. I grabbed the knife when they were in the other room and I pried that sucker open and I cut something else too. Fast forward the scene 30 minutes and I'm screaming because the doctor is stitching up my finger. My body was no longer this innocent little temple. 
there was blood and there was, scar, there was a scar on my one hand. Mind you, the other hand held a pretty sweet bouncy ball. <laughs> but there was glory and there was shame. And from here on, as for Adam and Eve, there would never be one without the other after this act. Glory and shame. But then the curious thing happens. Do you remember what Adam and Eve did? They eat the fruit and their eyes are opened and immediately they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. And then they hide. As God ambles past, walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, as it says later in Genesis 3. How absurd to think that God's eyes, too, have only just now been opened, and that God notices their nakedness only when they begin to notice. But how human that is. But Lent begins precisely here when we realize the absurdity of trying to hide our nakedness from God. For so long we've been fumbling with the fig leaves and now we hear God's inquiry, where are you? Why on earth when we have the perpetual invitation to walk with God in the evening breeze, do we instead hide in the trees? Because we realize we are naked do we think God doesn't already know that? One more story from childhood to help us out with this passage. When I was in kindergarten, it was a Friday and we had a substitute teacher in Miss Clark's class. Substitute teacher meant one thing to my little five-year-old brain, party. I remember acting out bad during nap hour, which caused the sub, I forget her name, to give me a bad mark on my weekly report card. I remember it like it was yesterday, walking home with this folder and seeing this big frowny face in ink. In case I didn't know what the frowny face meant, there was a key at the bottom of the page notifying my parents that I had failed to follow class rules. Well, I worked the situation over in my head, replaying the tape of my naptime crime, until I rationalized to myself that Miss Sublady didn't have the right read on the facts. <laughs> of course I knew she did, but she was wrong. So you know what I did? I went home, true story here, I went home and went down into my mom's basement office and found her stash of whiteout. And I splotched, I'm dead serious, I splotched a gob of whiteout over her assessment. And since I heard that A plus was a good thing, I grabbed a pen and decided to put an A down with three pluses next to it. <laughs> Sunday night came and I needed that parent signature. So totally confident in my scheme, I took the report card to my dad. He had a less keen eye for things like this anyways. <laughs> I remember handing it to him, the story gets sad now. I remember handing it to him and he looked at me and then looked down at my A triple plus behavior. We both stared at that thing forever. 
until I couldn't stand it anymore. The tears pooled in my eyes. He reached out to put, to put his hand on my shoulder, and I couldn't take it. I ran. I was naked and ashamed. And I ran upstairs to my bed where I threw the cover over me like it was a big, cozy cotton fig leaf. And I hid. I am older now and maybe a little smarter than I was then. But you know, I still know where to find that stash of whiteout. I still know how to hide my nakedness. I still know where the fig leaves are. I'm thankful for Lent. But this is part of it, part of being human. We've eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There is no going back. There is glory and there is shame and there is nakedness. But let me give you the good news. The nakedness, our nakedness, is not the end of the story. You will remember that in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis 3, I invite you to go read the entire chapter, but there in the Garden of Eden, there was another tree in the middle of the garden around which the rest of the garden drew its bearings. This tree God called the tree of life. On my reading, Lent begins with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Lent ends with the tree of life, which I take to be the cross of Jesus. We are naked because of the tree of the because of the tree of good and evil. But there is another who is naked for us because of the tree of life. Why is he naked? Because he has stripped himself of all his glory, and you know what he's done with it? He's given it to you and to me. He's taken our scarred hands and our shame and clothed us with his healing life that we might never experience ourselves as shameful again. That we might feel our bodies and our skin and yes, even our nakedness and feel his glory shining, coming alive in it all.